Welcome to Connecting to the Guiding Light on Route 66. I'm Father Richard Vega, your host, and with me is my co-host, Jamie Gutierrez. Hola, everybody. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm a little, you, you know, look a little busy. Frazzled. We have a retreat this weekend, so there's a lot, a lot going on. Well, I'm glad you're able to take this time yeah. to be with me. Yeah, it's our first virtual retreat. Well, not oh. our first, but for our confirmation students. So it's a different experience. All I can right. tell you that much. Yeah. What, yeah. So so you guys are getting ready for confirmation. Oh, it's confirmation season like now. Right you know, now. One, yeah. It's not even around the corner anymore. It's now. <laughs> it's now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things that we, we're going to talk about is, you know that this Sunday is the fourth Sunday of Easter. Yes, sir. Can you believe that already? We're already four weeks into it, Easter. It happened... In just a blink. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about is, and I'm not sure if you're even aware of it, this Sunday, fourth Sunday of Easter, uh-huh. is called Good Shepherd Sunday. I did know that. And do you know what the focus is? Tell me. Please enlighten me, Father. <laughs> no. Please. I, I, yeah, please enlighten me. <laughs> anyway, so Good Shepherd Sunday is the day we kind of focus in on vocations. Ooh, all vocations or just like priestly vocations? Well, we really need to focus on all the vocations, mm-hmm. but in a very special way, the Holy Father has asked right. that we might focus on priestly vocations. Mm-hmm. But for our purposes here, I think we want to focus on all the vocations. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people forget that our call is to be responsive to God mm-hmm. in the various ways that he calls us. So right. yes, there are some people that are called to the ordained priesthood. Mm-hmm. There are some people that are called to diaconal life. Mm-hmm. There are some people who are called to married life. Right. There are some people that are called to the single life, which we don't really talk about it much anymore. In the in the old days, being single was a very op, you know a strong option for the church. Right. And the other thing is committed individuals who serve the church, possibly through ministry. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things that that we need to look at. Now, I know one of the reasons we focus in so much on priesthood is because the number of priests has dwindled a lot in our country. Oh, significantly. Yeah. I mean, when I, just to give you an example for Mm -hmm. the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, when I was ordained a priest in 1983, when I don't think were your parents even alive. Father, that was 10 years before I was born. Okay, so prior to you born, so when I was ordained a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. there were almost 1,200 priests in the diocese. Of wow. those 1,200 priests, just shy of 800 were diocesan priests. So wow. the other 400-something were either religious, what we would say, either Franciscans, Dominicans, or, you know. Of a different. A religious community. Yeah. Okay. So jump now to 2021. 2021. Now I'm alive. And Boring. there are about <laughs> 1,100 di- uh, priests 
in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Of those 1,100, only 250 of us are diocesan. Ouch. Yeah. That, that's painful. Yeah. So the, it means that the other 850, round it up, mm-hmm. are either members of some kind of religious community, members of apostolic life, or some other a group post uh, John Paul. And that means they're not at a parish for the most part. No, they for- are at a parish, but they're they're not part of okay. the native clergy. Okay. So, for example, there's, uh, uh, what do they call Servidores de la Palabra? I think they're like in, mm. in, in East L.A. Oh, okay. And the Legionarios de Cristo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of what we call groups that were founded from the John Paul era that are very focused on evangelization. Okay. But they're not from here in the United States. Okay. They're, most of the priests now are what we call from the international community. So they come either from Africa. Which was like Father Al? Yes. Right? Father Al okay. Wishes. Yeah. And he was originally from a Benedictine community, if I remember Correct. correctly. Yes. I, I, so he, he comes from a, a family, uh-huh. which would have been the Benedictines, but looking to come here to the United States. Oh, okay. And so part of the problem, or it's a challenge, we wouldn't call it a problem, mm-hmm. call it a challenge, is that many of them are unfamiliar with the American way of life and how we do things here. Is that also like how we have Joseph from China right now as our seminarian and he's, no. or he's actually going to be a diocesan priest? In China. In China. See, okay. uh, part of what we do too is, you know, we're one big happy family. Mm-hmm. Big anyway. I'm right. about happy. <laughs> one big happy family. And so sometimes when someone's in need, we try to help them out. Mm-hmm. So in China, there really are, there's seminaries, but if you talk to Joseph, there's no books. There's not a seminary right. system like what we have. There's no hardcore focus. No. And so he was brought here. Now, I don't know if you know. So as Joseph was sent here, one was sent to Australia one was sent to oh Korea, and one was sent to somewhere in Europe. I can't remember where. And so the four of them were different, are different places. And I think Joseph is the only one that's still out here. The other ones either left or returned home. Interesting. And, and so, but I, I think a lot of it has to do that there's support. Right. Encouragement. And I think Joseph feels very supported here in the community. Oh, yeah. he. It's so funny because he has completely engulfed not only the Filipino culture here at St. Francis, but the Hispanic culture, too. So, Paquito. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he loves his modelo. <laughs> like, he's he likes the, you know, the Hispanic culture. Yeah. And it's so He was willing sweet. to trade in his beans and noodles for... Yeah. Beans and rice. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And cerveza. And he still, but he still, he actually introduces us to his culture too, because, yes. I mean, he makes noodles from scratch and he, he's great. Well, he's I remember great. the first the year chili. we celebrated the Lunar New Year mm-hmm. and it was it was Super Bowl Sunday. Uh-huh. So from three to five or three to six was Super Bowl Sunday and then from six to nine. It was Lunar New Year. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. So we try to incorporate 
the you know elements of his culture into our lives uh, as a community too right. so that it feels part at home and he has connected a lot of the chinese community that lives up here in the in our um, mountain area right, right. and they Ro- have the Rosedale come area. And, and they they've actually definitely um, been very much well much more present and they've given us the opportunity to make our easter vigils um multilingual yes so it that's really yeah and, and he's and exciting. joseph has done well to connect with those that are not even catholic so right. we've uh his presence at citrus college and um up in the river uh, rosedale community i think has been very helpful as well like you said yeah we we now have a, a multilingual approach to uh what is it christmas the midnight mass and to our uh, Holy Saturday service. Exactly. So now going based off of that and, and vocation, I mean, growing up for me, um, it was always like, okay, you have to strive for marriage because you don't want to be a, a religious sister, <laughs> you know? And I think about that and I think about my teens and it's like, well, yeah, but it, that focus on single life as well it has it ha- there has to be um some light shed there it's, uh, per, you know just making um others feel like that is also a life that is very beautiful in itself you don't just have to you don't just have religious life and marriage yeah. to think I about i think it was you know, because there was always the sense of so what's going to happen to you and i uh-huh. think at one point a lot of the single life was devoted because a decision was made that you were going to take care of your, your parents. Right. And and that's not the case now. Mm-hmm. Some people find that the institutional life in church is not what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they're not looking for a coupling of maybe being with a, uh, a one-on-one relationship that could lead to the covenant relationship of marriage. They're not looking for that either. Right. And so the single life is something that is very much a part of the possibilities. I, I think for a long time, people always assumed that unless you mirrored Christ's life in a particular way, that it, it, you didn't have a call to holiness. Right. And, and so what we need to do, like you say, we need to highlight the fact that it is okay to be single mm-hmm. and to still live out your Christian vocation and your Christian call. That and also like... I think it's cultural too, because whenever someone is single, in especially in the Hispanic culture, they're like, "Oh, se quedaron a vestir santos," you know, <laughs> and there's always that fear, or like um, that the the in the Hispanic culture, and I'm not sure if if in the Filipino culture as well, but I'm I'm, I'm think it's more connected um, that you have to know your vocation in your twenties by your twenties. And kind of have it figured out. When I've seen priests get ordained much later on in life. And then also I've seen people getting married much later on in life. And I've seen single uh, people becoming consecrated. Um, I don't know what the word is, Father. Help me out here. But they're consecrated. Uh, are they consecrated singles? I'm, it's mm, well, there's some, mind. Sometimes they, yeah. women are called consecrated virgins. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's but, that but it's too. kind of funny. You don't have men being consecrated virgins, which Just I find women. odd. Yeah, yeah that, that's, uh, that's a whole, I guess, another subject. But I think when it comes to vocation, um, 
there's always that fear of like, what if I chose the wrong one? Yeah. And well, like, I mean, that's always a possibility, well, but yeah. a, a lot of it has to do with a your willingness to be open, mm-hmm. b a, an ongoing conversation with God. Yes. And, and then, what is the vocation that brings out the best qualities in you, right, to its full potential? So, for example, you know, you're in a you're you're. Can we say you're in a relationship with somebody? I I am. Okay. I am in one. Okay. So so <laughs> shout so, out to who you are. <laughs> So you would think that the other person challenges you oh, to use day. your gifts to the best of your ability. <laughs> and at the same time, you challenge him to the best of his abilities. Correct. So if, if, if you're not growing, if you're not being stretched, if the best you isn't there, mm-hmm. then really, is that the right place for you to be at? Right. Now, for me, in, in, in seminary formation... Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I entered the seminary when I was 13. I went in when I was a freshman in high school. Wow. And so I spent four years in high school, mm-hmm. four years in college, four years in graduate school. And then I was ordained. At tw- I was ordained when I was 26. I just turned 26. Oh, my gosh. Which in our world today, 26 seems like, well, that's a have baby. You, exp- you haven't experienced life. Yeah. But I think the the process was different because I think it was about the listening. And I, I think that by being in the seminary, it helped to develop leadership skills mm-hmm. and characteristics that would be helpful in um, priestly ministry. Mm-hmm. And they were gifts that I used over time. I think if my parents had one complaint, it would be that I grew up too fast. And right. I was much more independent than they would have preferred. Uh-huh. I, I was I was striking out on my own a lot. A lot of time, you know, as we say, are, are you asking permission or are you telling me? Mm-hmm. And I think half the time I was telling them I wasn't right. asking permission. So I think that kind of stuff bothered them. And I know even till the the, the very end, every Sunday night when I was in the, in the high school seminary, mm-hmm. my mom and I would always have the same discussion. So it'd be mm-hmm. time to go. And she would say, Ricardo. Are you sure this is what you want? Are you are you happy? And, and so, you know, I figured that that was her approach at just making sure that I was okay still being the seminar and that I could at some point say. That you still had the option. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's a big deal because just like you said, it's an ongoing conversation with God. God delight, he delights in us and he's going to take the yearnings of our heart into yeah. consideration. So that fear that was instilled in me, and it's like, no, what if I'm called to be a sister and I really want to be married? Because I was marrying myself off. Like, but I was actually at three years old. I was a bride for like every <laughs> Halloween. I swear I was. I have pictures to prove it. But um, there's that fear. And in reality, no, our, our Lord is... Oh. Is it's a constant conversation. Uh-huh. We have the free will to choose, um, but he also wants us to see yeah. all the qualities that we have to offer and where we're going to, um, where there's those qualities are going to shine. But it doesn't mean that he's going to force feed you no, no, to it, become uh, married. I or, mean, one of the things is you have to be happy. I mean, uh-huh. it's hard to. I mean, 
very shortly, I will celebrate 40 years as a priest. Congratulations, Father. We're still not there yet. Oh, well, I mean. <laughs> it's close, but it, I, can see the, I can see the line. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, there. <laughs> but, 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 it's, but the thing is, I'm still happy about what, I do, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Would I still do, choose this again? The answer is yes. I, have there been problems? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have not lived in perfect rectories, and I'm sure I've irritated some people, and some mm-hmm. people have irritated me. But the thing is it, that it's a constant, ongoing conversation, and I feel challenged, and I feel open to what God is asking of me, and I like being of service to God's people. So I think that's the key piece. Now, for you, right. the the thing is, so do you do you see yourself with a, a, another person Correct. being challenged in love, and at the same time, as a couple, reflecting the covenant love that God has for us as his people. Correct. So unconditional love, being willing to sacrifice, being willing to look at the other before you think always of yourself. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that need to be looked at too. Right. Now for the single person, I think it is very much about saying, so being single, what does it free me up to do? What can I do as a single person that I could not do married or I could not do in clerical or consecrated life. Right. And, and that is the harder one because like you say, we haven't really paid attention to it as much. Sometimes they say, well, you want to be a brother, mm-hmm. you know, or you want to be a sister. Yeah. You know, but it, it, it's no, you can still be a, um, a on the path to holiness oh, out right. here in the world living, but unattached. But I, our, our society places so much a focus on attachment and in about being in relationship. Oh and, yeah, and that a, you can't be alone. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and yet you're never alone if you're in relationship with God. Correct. And, and that's the part that many of our people don't see is that you 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 can be in relationship to God, you're not alone and you're also in relationship to a community. And I right. think that's the big piece. And it I mean, it the relationship with God, I know at least in the short life that I've lived, it's that you have to know the definition of um, discernment. Yes. And and the fact that your relationship with God through that discernment, which is that conversation, it's going to change. You're not going to be satisfied fully on only serving one way, the only way at all times. Um, eventually, you grow out of those stages. I, I I've seen so many people in ministry where they eventually either get married or decide... Um, the single life or wherever they're at, right? Wherever they're at at that moment. And then they come and apologize, like, sorry, I can't serve in youth ministry anymore. And I'm like, your your ministry's a new ministry now. You, no, but that's a little different yeah. now. So uh, I think the vocational piece is one. Uh-huh. The ministerial piece is another. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I think as you grow and evolve with your gifts, mm-hmm. your ministry changes. So Correct. It, I don't know if you ever saw... Because I think you were a child in, in 19... I'm still a child, in Father. 19, I'm the child of the Lord. In 1997, <laughs> Cardinal Mahoney wrote the pastoral letter, Gather Faithfully Together. Continue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to answer. Continue. So in it, he says that there has to be a discernment of what are the gifts and talents that you have and how do we use them in ministry. So Correct. for example, uh, to be a lector, Right. To be a, uh, an extraordinary minister of the Eucharist, to be an usher, uh, to be a minister to the homebound, mm-hmm. to be someone who visits maybe jails. 
that there there comes a point there has to be some kind of review after maybe three to five years to say is this the ministry you're you're still called to right so for example um as you know um i I wear glasses and Mm -hmm. so you know some of our older community members come to the point where they're no longer able to see clearly right what's on the written word and so is that the time that maybe to step back right or have you been doing the same ministry for 10 15 years or yeah so is it time to bring somebody else in and to use your gift someplace else i think part of the problem is like just like we used to make um the ordained the -hmm. clerical and the consecrated life like the the epitome of what god was calling you to Mm -hmm. the same thing i think happens to ministry if there are ministries that are attached to the altar oh those are the best but like like I always tell people, when it comes to the ministries of the church, is there a difference between the person who cleans the bathrooms, the person who washes the dishes after a meal, the person that cleans the space to set up for the meal, the right. person that cleans the space after the meal? They're all important. One is not more important to another. Correct. And there's so many people that say, oh, I'm not worthy to exercise this ministry. I've oh, never yeah. I've never heard a child say to their mother, I'm not worthy to take out the trash. That is so far beyond me. No. Exactly. So so my thing, ministry is what we put at the disposal of the community. What are the gifts and talents that help the community to grow, that help the community to fulfill its mission and its role? There needs to be people who clean the church. There needs to be people that set up the altar as sacristies. They're all pillars that allow this. It, it, to, to the so that when the assembly comes together because let's face it there are people who come in and say oh don't they have anybody to clean the floors yet they don't, don't have any they don't, don't grab a rag to, to no. do it themselves is, is there nobody here to clean the restrooms and throw out the trash we we find the mm-hmm. the irksome pieces but at the same time we're not willing to say i can do that you know what i have free time on you know so again, and so Sunday, day and i can come and set this up or I Correct. can come and clean. Like, I'm fortunate during, because of the pandemic, we used to have people that would set up for mass, that would help with different things. Right. And, and so a lot of those ministries have been severely restricted. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that when we reopen, you know, hopefully in a couple of months, we will be able to restore some of those ministries and invite other people right. into those ministries. Exactly. And I mean, there is a, a, they say like the shelf life of a youth minister is 18 years, 18 months. Don't oh. worry, I've been here longer. I was going to say, what? what, what are, you, are, you <laughs> to, are, you, are you trying to tell me something, Jamie? But it's also, it's the, that's the discernment piece too, because I have seen, unfortunately, just because I come from the youth ministry lens, right? Where they stay there past their time. Yeah. Um, and it's more like a, you get to the point where you're kind of just, going with the motion yeah you know because you give so much of yourself that you really have to constantly be discerning um in ministry or in anything you do if even if you work in in um the corporate america you always have to be discerning saying am i giving my all am i happy but see the, the other thing i would challenge you is is that sometimes i don't think that as ministers we attach the prayer life correct the reflective life and at the same time, a point of renewal. So, Correct. for example, so what? Filling ref- your cup again. Yeah. So, so 
you know, not to throw anybody under the table, but so when was the last time you went on a retreat? Yeah, when correct. was the last time you, you read a book that allowed you to see a different perspective about things? Oh, yeah. So so all those things are, are, are towards renewal. So even as a priest, I try to go on retreat once a year for a week. Uh, I, I need to go on vacation. Now, this because of the pandemic, I have not been able to go on vacation mm-hmm. because we haven't been able to go anywhere. So there has been some frustration, some mm-hmm. things that don't make sense. But again, unless we re-energize ourselves in prayer, in reading, and in relationship to other people, we're going to find ourselves burnt out. But again, I think a couple could do that as well, where... With, because they're so much dealing with the kids, they're not mm-hmm. about themselves. Correct. And, and the same with the single person. If a person doesn't have time to connect with friends and those pieces that energize, you're going to, it's like, you, you question. What am I doing Do to better myself so, yeah. in this and, and so when it comes life. to ministry, it, it is about discernment with other people. Am I still being effective as a minister? And are the Correct. gifts and talents that are being used here for the good of the for the good of the of, of the group so we're looking at my gifts and talents mm-hmm. and how they help the church to grow and then my group my gifts and talents as a minister to be able to help here within the local community Correct. because so that's part of my job is to activate the the charisms or the gifts that god has for his people among his his own and what are some ways um Say I'm I'm listening and and I'm trying to figure out how to dis- discern because it, it there is uh, many different ways that people do discern. Um, it, it's a prayer in itself. It's conversation. But what are some helpful tools that you have seen in others that really get them to to be secure in in their decision on? Well, if we're um, talking about vocation, uh-huh. I, I think a lot of it is just having quiet time. And then to ask yeah. yourself, am I being the best person that I can be in what I am pursuing? I right. mean, if, if you're moving from relationship to relationship, so what what are you are you not being vulnerable? Are are, are you right. not sharing the intimacy of who you are? I'm not talking about physical intimacy. I'm being about showing that part of your heart where right. it shows the brokenness, the frailty of it, as well as the strengths of it to another person. So that they could celebrate it and uh, and uplift it, right? And, and uh, the other thing is, do you take time to step away? I always find it interesting in the scriptures. Before Jesus is about to do anything major, he always spends either the morning or the day in prayer, talking to his Father, right. so that when he acts, it's always acting in the name of the Father, right? And, and so those are, I think, for me, those would be key pieces when it comes to ministerial discernment. I need to be in conversation with the community or with leadership to say, hey, are my gifts still the best? And are they being utilized to its fullest expression? Right. So as we we come to celebrate Good Shepherd Sunday, Mm -hmm. it's a a time to look at vocation, you know, or the Latin vocare. What is your call? Mm -hmm. What are you being invited to? And again, all of them have equal standing to holiness. So are you being called to the ordained ministerial life, which is a priest or a deacon? Mm-hmm. Are you being called to consecrate it and vowed life as a religious man or woman? Mm-hmm. Or are you being called to married life to display the covenant relationship 
that God has with his people right. and that unconditional love for us between a man and a woman? Or are you being called as a single person to give witness to Christ's presence in your life through words and actions? And they're all just as beautiful. Yes. They are just as sacred. And they're all just as hard. Oh, yeah. I all want, of them is hard. All of them are going to be hard because they're calling us to grow spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. And each and, has its moment of isolation. Oh, yeah. It's moments of disillusion. It's mm-hmm. moments of disappointment. And so the question is, how do we overcome that? And so that is part of the vocation, too. And right. just, you know, as we, as we draw to a close, just to kind of remember that at, at the present, we, we do have seminarians. Uh, as you, you mentioned, one of them, Joseph, who this, I, it's hard to believe he's already going to finish his second year right. in uh, seminary formation at St. John's. Mm-hmm. And so he'll be going on his internship year uh, this coming July. And he called me today to tell me that he's going to our Lord of the Beatitudes in La Mirada. Oh, my God. That's where he's going to be going with Father Ed Dover. So wow. that's where he's going to be. So in La Habra, not too far. Uh, La yeah, not too far. No, not no. too far. Just across the hill. Just a hop skip. And then we also jump. have uh, Luis Antonio mm-hmm. Olivares, who's over at um, Casa Guadalupe in Mexico City in the Distrito Federal. And then we have Emmanuel Flores, who is with the Legionnaires of Christ in Rome. Yeah. So, so we pray for them that as they continue their discernment process, they be open to God's uh, will in their lives. And at the same time, to what God is calling them to. Right. And then, you know, at some point, we'll be talking about married couples. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be talking about the, a single part. We got lots of single people here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We, we have we have that part. Exactly. But it's all just as beautiful. And we'll be praying for you. If you need us to pray for anything, um, give us a call. Um, or you could even message us when you connect to the light. Um through our um, notifications, weekly notifications. We try to do weekly, but at the same time, we don't want to bombard our parishioners. So um, we do try to stay connected. And you could find all that information on our website, sfrchurch.org. That is sfrchurch.org. Or you could find us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Just look up SFR. We will pop up. Um but no, I, think I think that's it. So yeah. thanks for the conversation. And again, thank you, Father. Good Shepherd Sunday. Good Time Shepherd. to think about where God is guiding us and those he invites to guide his people. Uh-huh. Remember, stay connected to the light. Bye, guys. And take care. We'll God talk bless. to you later. Bye-bye. This episode of The Guiding Light on Route 66 was recorded in Azusa, California and produced by SFR Media Productions. Music for the intro and outro was used with permission from Epidemic Sound. For music like this and more, please visit epidemicsound.com. For more information about this podcast, please visit www.sfrchurch.org.